podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Thanks for choosing this free Anfield Index podcast. If you'd prefer to listen to this or any of our other shows without adverts, then now's the time to check out Anfield Index Pro. With AI Pro, you can supercharge your entire listening experience. You'll not only get all of our podcasts without the ads, but you'll have them far faster with our quick publish feature available exclusively for subscribers. AI Pro also puts you in the heart of our sound studio with an option to listen to many of our shows live and interact with the podcasters in real time as the shows are recording. Upgrading couldn't be easier. AI Pro is available on all popular podcast platforms and we have our own apps for Apple and Android. Just head on over to AnfieldIndexPro.com and get started today. Hello and welcome to AI Scouted on Anfield Index Pro. On the morning on which we'll all remember as the morning Boris Johnson resigned, I'm Dave Hendrick, joined by Mr. Carl Matchett. How are you, sir? I'm um, not too bad, thank you. I'm just, uh, well, to be perfectly honest, hoping all this passes as quickly as possible because if they continue to drag it all out longer than it's already been, I don't think that benefits anybody, does it? Let's be honest. No, it definitely does not. Uh, it won't benefit anybody, just like this entire conservative reign of power has not benefited anybody who is, you know, a normal person. Uh, Right, let's go. We are going to look at players who are out of contract in 2023 and whether or not Liverpool should be looking at them, should be eyeing them up as potential signings for next summer, either on the cheap in January or on pre-contracts in January. And we thought we might have a look at some of the 2024 options who can also, you know, be cheap next summer. But we'll we'll focus in on 2023. And, Carl, that group is headed by Raheem Sterling. Now, it does look like he is going to go to Chelsea. I would love to have Raheem Sterling back at Liverpool. God, yeah, he'd be a he'd be a great fit. Um, I, and I, honestly, I cannot understand all these things that I've seen saying that Sterling, you know, he's finished as a player, he's already peaked, or he's not been that good. Sterling is excellent, and Sterling has been consistently really good for Man City. He's maybe a player who, you know, is not quite the biggest and best in their team in the build-up, and maybe that sees him get overlooked at times. But as a final third player, his movement, his even his productivity, to be perfectly honest, is still very, very good. Uh, I would have Sterling in a heartbeat, and I think most clubs around the world would and should. Yeah, without doubt. I mean, you look at what he's been able to do at Manchester City over the last five years, and there's only really one disappointing season, which was the 2021 season. In 17-18, he scores 23 goals in 46 games. The following season, it's 25-51. and 51. Then it's 31 in 52. I would argue that over that three-year stretch, and certainly over 18, 19, and 19, 20, he was one of the five best players in the league. Then he gets 14 in 49 because he's playing less frequently. Now, the game, the, the appearance total is similar, but he starts less, and he's coming off the bench, and he's coming into different situations in different positions. This past season, again, in more of a, a squad role where he's been rotated, 17 goals in 47 games. Uh, a good performance by Sterling. He had some really good standout moments. 
I don't get the idea that he's finished at all. I, I think he's, I think he's world class. I think he proved that at the Euros when he was, for me, by far England's best player, that he is a world class operator who will get you goals and assists, will make a difference, will win you games. Uh, I don't understand why City aren't renewing his contracts. I, I really don't understand what that's about. I don't understand why they spent $100 million on an inferior player in Jack Grealish. Raheem Sterling, for me, if you can get him, you get him. And I think that, like, Chelsea have been linked to a lot of players at the minute. He is, for me, the best player they've been linked with and the one that makes the most sense for them. Him next to Kai Havertz, I think he'll score a ton of goals. And 27 as well. It's not like yeah. this is a player like 29, 30, heading into the 30s, anything like that. He's still got three seasons of absolute peak in him. And even if he just maintains the level that he was, let's say, the season before last, that's probably Chelsea's best forward straight away. Yeah, um, I, without I, doubt. I, I absolutely disagree with the with the people that I've seen who are saying it's, you know, he's taken a step down or Chelsea should be aiming higher or they is already past his peak or anything. That's that's absurd. And if he plays regularly and he has the right support around him, I think he will show that very quickly again. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I thought in that front three of him, Aguero and Leroy Sané with the De Bruyne, Fernandinho, David Silva midfield, that group were absolutely terrifying. And when Sterling, when the shape would flex from the 4-3-3 to the 4-4-2 and Sterling would move right beside Sergio Aguero through the middle and play a little bit off him and make runs in behind. I, I just thought he was so clinical and they were so, so good. So unstoppable. Uh, next on the list, Milan Skriniar, one of the best central defenders in the world. Uh, it may well be that he moves this summer. He's also been linked to Chelsea. He's been strongly linked to uh, Paris Saint-Germain. We don't have real need for him, but if Joe Gomez were to ask out at some point, Milan Skriniar would be a really nice player to come in and replace him. He is 27, so he's older than we'd like, but he is a top-class centre-back. I feel like this one is just you playing your collection and you've just wanted him for so long now that you think we've got to make our move. That's what I think, Dave. This is like... This is part of your football Pokemon, isn't it? You want all playing, the really, I'm really good the players. I'm playing the hits, Carl. I'm playing you, the you've hits. Missed, <laughs> you've missed out on a few of the greatest midfielders you've wanted. So we've kind of got to make it up to you for this one. I think I think that's that's your train of thought here. Yeah, I mean, that would be it. You, you owe me, so go and get him. But look, I understand he's not a player that we would pursue, given the age. If Joe were to leave... I think we're far more likely to look at, you know, a Max Sense Lacroix, an Edmund Topsapa, somebody of that nature, than someone like Schrinier who'll be 28 by next summer. But the only I, way I could, sorry, the only way I could make a case maybe is if we lost two, if we lost Gomez and Matip at the same time in the same summer, then maybe you would look at a third, more experienced, capable of being first choice player straight away. And then the fourth one goes back to a, either a much younger or a much older one. That's a fair point. Yeah, if Matip were to go, yeah, it would make more sense in that in that situation. Uh, next then is a player I do like, and uh, I think you like him as well, Serge Gnabry. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, I've been trying to have a look at this because obviously we've been linked with Gnabry for quite a while now. Not 
really high quality links let's say in terms of the sources it's come from and stuff but still murmurings and headlines and all the rest of it and i was trying to look to see if there's still a case for that to happen like this year or in january let's say or even next year on a free but it's, it's a bit difficult to look ahead and see who's going to want to leave in a year's time if they haven't played and so on i i think there's still a little bit of a case to be made here if the plan is for Klopp and, and the Yang to go four four two or forty three one or whatever way round you want to call it, if we're going with a double pivot midfield, and we want three genuine attackers who are capable of pressing high and all the rest of it, I think there's still a case for going for Gnabry because at the minute we've basically got Salah, uh, Darwin, and Diaz as your three, and then Jota, and then it's Firmino, and then it's a few others. So you'd probably still want a fourth starter there. But as we've spoken about before, and I don't want to go into the whole tactical side of it, I think it would be quite outrageous to have that much of a, a, an attack-minded quartet, especially in most games, especially in the biggest games. So I'm not saying it's a, a dead-on thing, but there's a case to be made at the very least, depending on how they want to, to play that four in attack. Yeah, I agree. Um, he is a very special player. And there's no doubting that he would be a massive addition to the squad. I suppose you could look at it that you could have that attacking four as an option. And then in certain games, maybe you leave one of them out to bring in a midfielder or to play somebody as a number 10. So you, you have that flexibility. But it, I mean, I don't know if you're a manager and Liverpool are coming out to play you. And they've got Gnabry on one wing, Diaz on the other, and Salah and Darwin through the middle, and Thiago and Fabinho in central midfield. I don't know how you stop that. I think physicality is really your only option. Just try and be over-physical with them and try and bully them a bit, but I still think you'd get carved apart. Um, The next name on this list is going to, I think, come off this list quite soon. He's a player we might have had a chance to get this summer. I think that chance is gone. And this player likely is uh, Barca Lifer, and that is Gavi. Yeah, it looks like now they've agreed a four-year deal. That's most of the reports that we've got. It's not signed yet, but it seems like they finally got over the, the problems that they had in, in agreeing with his representatives. Not so much the base salary, I think, but what comes alongside it, you know, questions of game time and his role. Uh, the, obviously the improvements that they make in the squad and where they'll be in his positions and I think obviously once Bass has sort out the economic issues that they currently have which means that they can't register any of their new signings then they'll be able to give a bump in salary to one of the ones they already have so it might drag on a little bit before he actually puts pen to paper but yes it, it appears to be done now and that's a shame it is it is because he is a he's a very special young player um, this player, the next one then, shouldn't actually be on this list because United do have a, a club option to extend his contract till 2024. But maybe things go sour this year and they decide not to. I would take Marcus Rashford in a heartbeat because I think he's massively talented. Would you take Marcus Rashford, Liverpool? Not for a, not for a wide role. I think Rashford has long been best suited to being one of the ones we've spoken about, a second forward, basically, um, in a two-man attack. Someone who can run the channels and operate in the wide areas if he wants, but is free to attack, basically, not 
defending from 70 yards out and then still expected to lead counterattacks and score goals and all the rest of it. I think he's had a horrendous couple of years at United. Basically, his last really good season, I think, was the behind closed doors um, when him and Martial were actually playing pretty well and United were scoring plenty of goals. But it's been so fragmented there, it's very difficult to pinpoint where is a tactical issue and where is a player issue. So I'm not really sure where Rashford falls on that scale. Obviously, he really had a bit of a maybe a confidence issue last season as well. Uh, and there was not much uh, competency, obviously, from the from the coaching side for most of last year as well. So I'm hoping for him, because I do like him, that he gets back to being a regular fixture in, in their team and gets back to playing football he's capable of, because he is a really talented player. But I just, I don't like him playing left wing. I really don't. He's not a winger. He's, he is a striker, but he's not really an elite number nine as such. So I do think mm. he's much, much better. If they play a really narrow 4-3-3 or something like that, then fine. Maybe you can use him left side then. But again, with United, we're still waiting to see what they do in terms of how they line up and where they use people. If they just go to a 4-2-3-1, I wouldn't really like to see him left wing again. I just, I think it wastes him, to be perfectly honest. I agree. I think the, the role that Sterling had in that City team a couple of years ago, that really narrow inside forward who flexes into one of a front two, I think that's the type of role that would suit him. Or, you know, if you're committing to playing two up front, if you play him just off your number nine, I think you'll get a lot out of him. I just, I felt like last season he was just worn down. The previous season he plays 57 games. He plays at the Euros. He misses that penalty. Then he has to go and have, is it? I think it was two different operations. It just looked like a player who was mentally and physically exhausted because you've got a factor. He is 24 years of age. So he started last season at 23. And in the, the five seasons previous to that, he had played 53 52, 47, 44, and 57 games. That's an awful lot of football for a 23-year-old to have played. And there was an 18-game sort of, you know, first season before that as well. He just seems to have been overplayed. Like, I know United have been desperate. I know that he was sort of a big hope for them, one of their own from their academy. But it just seemed to me like they loaded too much pressure on him. He played through all those injuries. Then there was the heartbreak of missing that penalty at the Euros. It all just seemed to come together to cause what happened last season, which, like as you said, was an absolute stinker for him and a stinker for United. Um, Fabian Ruiz. We've talked about him a bunch of times before as a potential midfield addition. I would still take him, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be a starter, but I mean, having, if we were to play a double pivot of him, of sorry, of Fabinho and Thiago, having him and Naby as the backups would be, I think, exceptionally strong. It would. I don't know why, but I've never really seen Fabio Maurice fitting really, really well at Liverpool. I just think he's kind of in between all the roles that we have. Um, he's, you know, at one point he was playing basically as number 10 for Napoli. He's obviously played a lot deeper than that as well. And is a very good controlling player, but I think he's best when he gets on the ball and is able to run with it a little bit. To be honest, I think he's uh, a little bit slow in releasing the ball. 
uh, to to really fit in with our style of play. I mean, he's a very good player, obviously, but I just there's just something about him that I'm never completely sold on at the very very highest level. So I would probably pass. You disappoint me greatly. No, um, it, it, it is an odd one because he is a really good player, but he's just there's just something about the style of his play that I just I'm I'm not really able to pinpoint it, but. I just it might be why quite, he's been at Napoli so long. To be fair, yeah, I just I just don't quite get how he impacts and controls games at the very highest level in the very biggest of games. You know, he he seems to have been kind of between roles, like I say, for for what probably four years now. He's kind of bounced around depending on who the manager has been and which exact role in the team he's had, and he's good at everything. It kind of feels a little bit with him like I felt with Harry Kane when he was coming through with Spurs finally, in that he could you know, score loads of goals, but you didn't really see what individual trait he was exceptional at. You know, he wasn't lightning, he wasn't really, really strong when he was you know, his first two years or so at, at Spurs. His movement was obviously good, but that's, it has to be more than that. And I'm still not 100% sold on Ruiz. So given where we are, and what we need for players coming in, I would pass because I think there are others with capable of being better. What I would say is he's been at Napoli four years. He's had three different managers and they're all very, very different types of managers in Ancelotti, Gattuso and Spalletti. And as you said, he's been asked to play different roles. He hasn't really been given an opportunity to settle into one position for a prolonged period of time. I, I do love the pairing of him and Zambo in midfield. Uh, I really enjoyed watching that last year, but uh, I can understand your hesitation. Uh, what about Yuri Tielemans then? Would you be interested in Yuri if we were playing a 4-3-3? A uh, I would if he was on a free next summer. I do think that he is one that we have left behind in terms of you know, maybe three years ago we were looking at improving the midfield and he would have been nailed on as someone who'd come in and be an immediate upgrade on what we had and be someone who could progress because he would have only been you know, 22, 23, that sort of age and he could progress with the team. But I think staying at Napoli, at Napoli, at Leicester as he has done when they've had not such a good year and maybe not such a good 18 months, I would argue, um, mm. he maybe hasn't quite progressed to that next stage that he needed to and Liverpool obviously have. We've we've gone on again another level. Um, so I would say that he's maybe one we've surpassed at this point. But then if he's free and you're very confident that you can help him get to that next level still when he's 26 and 27, then maybe, yeah, you, you would still look at him as someone who has the, the basic attributes that you want and you can improve it. But I don't you think don't, he would be a starter anymore. Well, he'd start over Brian Henderson. Let's be fair. He's still a better player than Brian Henderson. But you know what the problem uh, yeah. is with Yuri Thielemans. Hmm. You know what the biggest problem with him is. He's been Brendan. People can come back from that. They can. Just not at our club. They'll have to go somewhere else, de-Brendan themselves. It's a process. It takes time. <laughs> then you've got to make the move then. I will not accept any argument against this next player because I adore him. Carlos Soler, if we wanted to play a 4-4-2 with a narrow right-sided midfielder and a high left winger, that Koke role, Carlos Soler was born for that role. 
Don't let me down now. No, I'm not. He's brilliant. And that's his role. He's not a 10. He's not a winger. That's where he plays. He's that. He's a narrow eight, basically, but in a four, that's that's where he's played most often. So I'm with you on that. And he's also played in a double pivot midfield for mm. Valencia. I don't think that's his, his strongest role and you'd need a, an absolute general beside him. But work rate, never let you down. Professionalism, never let you down on the ball. Very, very rarely let you down. So definitely would be one for which, me. Which is amazing, considering the chaos he has been put through yeah. over the last, what, four or five years at Valencia. That he has it, managed it, to maintain a professional edge is incredible. Honestly, it says a lot for not just him, but Jose Aya as well and a couple of the others at the club yeah. that they have stuck by Valencia through the absolute nonsense that those ownership group have put them through. And now you can see that even they are coming to the end of their tether and there's nobody to blame but the hierarchy themselves. Is there a worse run, a worse run club in Europe? I mean, I guess you could put Blackpool forward up until... The Oysters left. Yes. Um, Charlton of a few years ago under the name I've forgotten of him now. The, was it the Belgian guy? Oh, the Chatelet. Yeah. Um, Barcelona up until two years ago. <laughs> uh, Some would say Barcelona now. Yeah, possibly. That's I mean, selling just... their future for a short well, term. Yeah, well, for short term survival, I think is, the, is the, probably the difference there. I think Barca are probably get an exemption at the moment because they've done a couple of really, really big deals. I mean, the Spotify deal that they've done now should prove over the next few years to be enormously beneficial and very, very forward-thinking for them as well. So I think that they probably get a pass because they've had so much to unpack there and they keep coming up with new stuff from the previous regime, having hidden it, basically. So maybe they get a pass at the moment, but we'll wait and see because, you know, if they go and spend the big salaries on the mediocre players again, they're going to be right back where they started. But see, this is the thing with Barca. Like, I'm looking at it and thinking, okay, you've got all these debts and you need to clear them all. Surely the smart approach here is to pull back on spending and make the aim over the next three, four years just to be in the Champions League and then to reach the knockout phases. And if you can do that for three, four years... With the amount of money that that club makes and with the deals like the Spotify one, surely you can fix your finances that way and then you go and then you'll get yourself back to a situation where your debt is very, very manageable or it's just like a normal club's debt. Instead, Barca are like, okay, well, what we're going to do is we're going to sell this, we're going to sell that, then we're going to sell Frankie de Jong. And what we're going to do, rather than just bank that money because, you know, or, or go and buy a, a young midfielder to come in and replace Frankie or just go with Frank Kessie that we've got, Gavi and Pedri and whoever else is there, we're going to go and buy Robert Lewandowski, who's 34 years of age and will be on obnoxious money. Like, how is that smart? Yeah, I don't know. And like this even started in the January window, to be honest, with the start sign of people like Aubameyang. I mean, there's never going to be a set um, type of play that they have to buy because obviously they did have to have a bit of pressure on at the time. The new manager coming in, fans very, very disgruntled at the time. Uh, they needed to get back in the Champions League spots because I think they were like six, seventh at the time that Shadi came in and the transfer started to happen then a month later. So they needed a bit of something. 
So you can kind of understand, you know, one or two outside the norm. But if they start handing out the massive contracts, you know, we've seen them getting people like Kessie on a free transfer. I, I love Kessie. I'm not 100% sure he's exactly what Barca needed primarily in midfield. But I do think he's a good addition if they play in a particular way next season and beyond. But if they start handing out, you know, the Dembele-sized contracts to not guarantees of success, mm. they're going to they're gonna come unstuck again because you are still dealing with a manager who, although highly rated and really respected, doesn't have a lot of experience behind him at the moment. He's still got a backroom staff, which he's piecemealing together at the moment. There's still a lot of work to be done on the infrastructure side uh, for, the, for the training ground, for the... Obviously, the stadium rebuild has got to happen. There's a lot of money that's got to be put into very many different areas of Barcelona off the pitch. And if they start going in the wrong direction with the contracts again, yeah, it's going to be a struggle. I don't think that qualifying for the Champions League should be too much of a difficulty for them. I think the big thing there is to you know, basically redo the uh, the dressing room mentality, maybe. Kind of like what Man United have got to do, but nowhere near as bad. Um, mm. And I think that probably after next summer, they're looking at people like, you know, we're scared to gain, maybe Alba, you know, the old crew basically might be done and dusted. They'll have got rid of the ones like Umtiti and Longley, who they don't want anymore and have basically tried to do everything they want to get them out. And maybe then that's a bit of a reset for them. So they are kind of looking at this coming season as just getting the top four, challenge them tightly to gamble, be in the top four, make sure you're Champions League. And then we'll see where we go. Because there's not been huge transfer outlays so far. I wouldn't even be I wouldn't even be thinking of challenging for the title. I'd just be like, right, we're not gonna win the title for yeah. the next four or five years. We're gonna we're gonna save this football club. And if the fans aren't on board with that, that's an issue the fans have. If the fans can't see the wood for the trees, that's their problem. Um let's move on. Um I mentioned Robert Lewandowski. I don't think he's someone we'd consider, but would you consider him? No, no, not for me. I mean, obviously, great finisher, goal scorer, all the rest of it, but not for the style of play that we have, no. Okay. What about Lionel Messi? He's he's decent. Yeah, again, for the style of play, no, but I still take him, yes. <laughs> Always. In a heartbeat. That's where the number um, 10 shirt's going. Jan Oblak, we have no need for. He is coming off a, a very poor season by his standards. I would expect, I'd expect that he gets a new deal and bounces back, but he's still a great goalkeeper. Yeah, absolutely. One of the best. Because, you know, everyone, lots and lots of people, I should say, have a, a down year and Atletico as a whole were not good last year. So I presume he'll be back. Uh, maybe the most Brendan of all the Brendan players, Kagler Seonchu, who has had 18 months of absolute horror shows. Um, I, I would say he's a firm no. He was always a firm no from me, and I stick to my original script. He's not just been Brendan. He's been utterly exposed for what he was to begin with. He did very well in the clearances and the being central and the being the focal point of defending, but he was not a good defender. He's not mobile. He's not good in the channels. I don't like him. Never have done. It's just it's disgusting. Carry on. Um this is one that we definitely did have interest in in the earlier days of Klopp, but as you said with Fabian Ruiz, he's pro- he is somebody that we have, I would say, moved past the level of, especially considering he hasn't been the same since the ACL tear. But his name continues to do the rounds, Marco Asensio. Yeah, um, 
I mean, Onofre, I'd take him for sure. And I'd probably buy him again, depending on the, the plans that we have in terms of how we're going to line up. I don't think Asensio is really suited to playing right wing, unless it's going to be that uh, the one that you spoke about for Soleil, a narrow 4-4-2 in from the right kind of playing in the 10 zone, basically. I don't really think Asensio is uh, a winger or an inside forward even. He's a playmaker, really, but one who is also quite aggressive and can score quite a few goals if you get him on the ball enough. So I do like Asensio, but I wouldn't play him in Salah's role in our 4-3-3, for example. He's not dynamic enough for that. Mm. Uh, he would be someone I would be looking at. Is you know, If we do go to a, a very much more structured 4-2-3-1, which is not necessarily something I want, but he would be someone I would consider there for the middle. Do you remember when he first broke into the Real team and every single goal he scored was an absolute worldie? He looked like he was going to be the best player on the planet. Everything found its way into the top corner. From everywhere, from anywhere on the pitch, he could just arrow it into the top corner. It was ridiculous. Um, Yeah, really good on the turn. As soon as the defender comes towards him, he just had that little shift of movement, didn't he, where he could just take the ball away from him in one touch and be past him already, and that was it. And really quick, and he hasn't quite got that speed anymore either, has he? No, no, he doesn't. That's what he has lost, is that little burst over over five yards. Like he was never lightning over distance, but he was really quick over five yards. And all he needed was a couple of yards of space and the ball was arrowing towards the net. Um, would you take a flyer on N'Golo Kante as a squad addition into that midfield? Probably on a free, yeah. I don't think I would pay money for him at this point because he's had like a lot two of years of continuous injuries now and he was like really, really heavily played for what, four years between Leicester and mm-hmm. Chelsea, I suppose. So, um, you know, he'd be 32 by next summer on a free, yeah, for sure, as a ball winner, as a Fabinho alternative, and as a the one alongside him alternative. He can cover two or three roles for us there, but he wouldn't be a starter for me, and I probably wouldn't pay funds for him at this point. No, I'd be the same. Uh, Jose Gaia, we we have a we have a left back and a good left back cover, so we're not really in need. But, but if Costas were to leave on a free, you'd be hard pushed to find a better left back to come in behind Robbo. God, I, I, I think he would be wanting more than behind Robbo, to be honest with you. I think Jose Gai is really underrated still. I think he's wildly underestimated. He's one of the best crosses of the ball from wide areas from fullback. He is really quick. He's really aggressive. I love Gai. I don't think we'll sign him or probably even should sign him, given that mm. Uh, kind of hierarchy and not rotation. I think he's Spain's best left back. I think he's one of the better left backs in in Europe, to be honest. Yeah, he he's very much paid the price for his loyalty to Valencia because yeah, it's almost like he's been forgotten about in a lot of circles. Um, but if you're looking for an immediate upgrade at left back this summer and a, a really good left back, and you've got twenty five million to throw at the position. I don't know how you do better than him. Like, if I'm Man City and I'm looking for a new left-back option, I'd rather buy him than Cucurella. I know Cucurella's four years younger or three years younger, but he's also going to be double the price and he's not as good. So that's a bit of a weird one for me that City aren't, aren't looking at him. 
Yeah, um, I agree. I mean, I guess the only thing with Kugure is, uh, again, depending on how City want to play. I mean, he's obviously played in midfield quite a lot of the time. He's a little bit more aggressive than Gaia maybe in, in challenges, but he's not as good on the ball. Uh, both very, very good crosses. Younger, like you say, but a much bigger fee. Maybe they did look at him and there's no way to get him out of Valencia until next year and they needed one this year. And it's that simple. Guy has has made the point that we've forgotten about. Uh, it is written into law that City can only sign fullbacks for around 50 million. So they Definitely. could overpay for Gaia if they mm. wanted to, but it just makes more sense to go with the guy who is tagged at 50 million. I think we might disagree on this next one. I would definitely take Thomas Lamar. I'm a big fan of Thomas Lamar. Now, positionally, you'd have to make things work, but he could play in the midfield three, he could play as a 10. I think you could use him off the right in a 4-2-3-1 or a 4-4-2. can also obviously play on the left and is very good there. I would take Thomas Lamar. Would you? I would take him on a free, but again, I probably wouldn't be looking to pay big money for him in a transfer. I think Lamar, I absolutely loved Lamar at Monaco. He was like my number one mm. uh, wish list at the time he was leaving. But again, Atletico, he's, he's had what, four different roles for them, at least. You know, he's been the 10, he's been in centre mid, he's been the winger, he's been a wing back. And I'm not sure that like quite a few players there, to be perfectly honest, I don't think they've got the best out of him. I don't think that the style, obviously, that Simeone prefers to have on and off the ball, it's a little bit too productive to get the best out of the very talented attacking players that they have. Um, so I, I would want to see more from him again, because again, like um, Asensio, I, he used to be lightning over the first like 10 metres or something when he was coming in off that flank when they played the narrow four four two. At Monaco, he was really quick at getting past the first man. Crossfield balls then, his set pieces are really good. He could shoot from anywhere. And you don't see huge amounts of that now at Atletico from him. So I would be a little bit hesitant to pay big fees. But yeah, on a free, again, you're probably bringing in cover for three different roles in our current setup. It is insane to me that Monaco put together that midfield with Bernardo on the right, Thomas Lamar on the left, and Fabinho next to Joe Matinho with Bakayoko sort of as the rotation option. And other than Joe Matinho, who they bought sort of in a previous regime, Luis Campos was able to put that all together for about 15 million, which is just obnoxious. And then you consider the amount of money they made selling those players and then you have the Mbappe um, Falco from two, which Mbappe came through the academy. Falco again was the previous regime; they'd spent a lot of money, but that was a sensational group of forward of, of midfielders and forward players that Campos put together on a budget. He did the same then at Lille. I, I'm actually, I have to be honest, Carl, him going to PSG really concerns me from a Champions League point of view. Now, they've got to get through this current iteration where they've got Messi and Neymar. But once they get past that, he could build a really scary team at PSG. Yeah, 100%. He's he's one of a few who have probably got the the clout and the personality to not really care what everyone else around him says and just do what he thinks is right. And he's very good at picking what's right, to be honest. I think the 
apart from the thing you've just said there that they've got to get past this this stage of the team anyway the other thing is the egos of that club and i'm not just talking about the players here but other people as well might might think that they know best and after two years go well you've not done anything because they've still got the Neymars they've still got the holdovers from what they basically had over the last three years and it's not quite happened for them immediately and that's not necessarily what his job is about and certainly not with this group yeah he might have to you know negotiate a few deals for genuinely elite talents to come in but he also has a a mid-term building plan and presumably that's a lot of what he's been brought in for because they're going to have to at some point scale back the ridiculous salaries that they've been paying out. I mean, you think of our buddy Sergio Ramos alone, how much wages mm. did they play him for how many minutes last season? And what exactly do they think that they were going to get out of him? It's some of the some of the decision-making at the club has obviously been completely ridiculous. And that's that's a prime example of what he should be fixing, really. Yeah, they've they've been star hunting for too long, and he won't he won't do that. Um, my Which we should is, point out is not is not necessarily to say that they won't do it because he does not like have the absolute overall say there. He's responsible yeah. for transfer work, but not necessarily every single deal that they do. And it's notable as well that his title is football consultant. It's not actually sporting director. So you'd wonder how much power he's actually going to have. Obviously, he's been key in the Galtier deal. And maybe the two of them together can show a really strong united front and maybe the two of them together can can talk down the some of the people above them uh, at PSG and convince them that, look, we've done this before. You're all idiots. Look what you've created. Just get out of our way. Give us two years and we will build you an absolute monster of a team. Uh, Jorginho, I wouldn't go anywhere near. I, I assume you're no different on that one. I would go near him, but, you know, I need to pass him taxi fare somewhere else. That's fair. Uh, Douglas Louise from Manchester City, a player I do like, but... Sorry, from, from Aston Villa, formerly of Manchester City. A player I do like, but he, he didn't kick on at all last season. In fact, he went backwards at a startling rate of knots, especially when Gerrard took over. He's definitely more of an eight than a six. Mm. Uh, I don't know how well he'd work in a two-man midfield, but I could see benefit from him in a three-man midfield with Fabinho and Thiago doing something akin to what Ginny Wijnaldum used to do, but maybe offering more on the ball. Yeah, I I, I mean, it would be a pass for me, but I think if we had a different type of number six, if we had a bit more of a, a deeper playmaker and we needed more protection ahead of him, then I'd be more inclined. You know, if we already had Jorginho, for example, and not Fabinho playing deepest, I would want someone like Douglas Louise, who's really good on the ball, but is the much, much better defensive player as well um, to, to defend a lot higher upfield and all the rest of it. But given what we already have and how we play with the eights, he's, he's not one for me. What about Luke, two dinners, Shaw? Would you take Luke? What, for dinner? <laughs> for his third dinner of the day. <laughs> <laughs> nah, nah, I like Luke Shaw. Um, I, I do like him. I think he's been ridiculously badly treated at times at Man United. I think he's been really overlooked at times as well. And I think he's a good player, but I obviously wouldn't take him at Liverpool. He's nowhere near the level of Andy Robber. No, he's not. He had a really good season with no fans in the stands, but I mean, so did Jesse Lingard, so it, it means nothing. Um, 
I hope this guy signs a new deal and stays at Crystal Palace for the rest of his career because they'll build him a statue and I think he'd be a lot of fun in a front four of Olise on the right, Eze on the left and him through the middle with either Mateta or Eduard. Uh, Wolf Zaha, would you take Wolf as a squad addition? No, don't like Wolf Zaha. Obviously, as a, a player, very good, but he's just such a mode. He really does. He is, he is an absolute cry arse. Um, Mohamed Salah needs a butler. Would you take Riyad Mahrez? <laughs> um, no, just in case we get a late penalty and he misses. Yeah, well, he's definitely going to want to take it as well. Yeah. I mean, I, I do very much like Riyad Mahrez, and a couple of years ago, before he went to City, when we were trying to sign Nabil Fakir, uh, I did wonder, would Riyad Mahrez not be the perfect one on the right with Sadio on the left and Mo through the middle with Bobby just off him? I think he would have been absolutely ideal, but I don't really like how his game has altered since he's gone to City. And he's a massive stat pattern now, which is just not for me. Um, I think the the ship has sailed on this next one, but I'm contractually obliged to mention him for Dell. Uh, Memphis Depay. Hmm. Yeah, again, another one who I thought would be great for a rebuilding process about two years ago when he only had one year left on his Leon deal and we were in need of much better quality and depth in attack. Um, But since then, it's been... Another year at Lyon where he was good, but he's had the knee injury as well. A year at Barca, which can upset the best of people. And uh, I probably would take him if we if we do go to the four-man attack because he can play 9-10 and from the side. But he wouldn't be a starter anymore and he would probably only be at the Jota level of um, squad options now, I think. And we're probably not going to need another one at that level. I think Memphis might be best as the biggest fish in a small pond. Like, I think Leon was just perfect for him. And I wonder if maybe he'd be better going to a club like Leon or, you know, a Benfica or somewhere and having the team built around him a little bit, playing to his strengths. If he went to Ajax, for example, he would wipe the floor with everything. Ajax, in that role that Dusan Tadic had a few years ago, with the attack built around him and everything focused, I think he would just absolutely cook. Um, a player we've been linked with for years and years, he's likely to move this summer potentially to the Premier League with Chelsea, Kaladu Koulibaly. Not anymore. There was a time, but not anymore. No. If Joe Gomez left, I think this guy might be on the list to replace him. He had a really good season with Eintracht Frankfurt. I do think at the minute he's probably better left side of a back three, but he has played in the back four before. Evan and Dicker. Yeah. Um, basically, what I want to say here is let's see what happens this season because I do like Dicker and I think he's a really good player. But And he, he had a very, very good season last year, obviously, as Eintracht had a really good season as well. But We'll, we'll wait and see because there might be quite a lot of changes at how uh, Eintracht play this year with, oh my God, his name's completely gone out of my head, Hinteregger? Retiring? Yes. Yeah. Um, and so this is going to have a big knock-on effect uh, on how they play, how they build up, how they defend from deep, maybe 
formation that they line up with, whether they go to, to a three or a four, because it's completely unexpected, obviously, how it's come about. Um, played a big part of the team, was a big player, would have got a lot of money if they sold him. They've got nothing for him now. So do they still have the amount of money to replace him? Do they have plans in place already to, to bring in the same type of player? They brought in Onguene um, from, from Salzburg, who I quite like, but you're not going to give you exactly the same sort of thing. So maybe Ndika's role is going to change this season, and that's why I'd like to see how he, how he fares in the back four if they play it, or without someone who is as marshall, marshalling him constantly as Hinteregger was. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually. Um... I'm I'm really surprised that Hinteregger made the decision to retire at 29. It really did kind of it really did shock me that he just decided that was it. He'd had enough. I know he's had some injury issues. I know he's spoken in the past that he wasn't necessarily loving football anymore. But you know, you're 29. Um, yeah. it, it just this seems was, like this a bit was, of an odd one. Well, this was to do with the um, football academy that he was linked with. Um, basically, yes. he didn't like the the basically if anyone hasn't known about it so far. So he had uh, links with um, a football tournament, basically, which was organised by someone who had far right-wing links and the club didn't really back him. They told him to move away from it, that sort of thing. And he was unhappy by the way that they handled it as well. And uh, obviously, Eintracht Frankfurt being a very not right-wing club didn't like it at all either, so it's all ended in a bit of a mess, unfortunately. Mm. Which, given the, the end of the season that they had with the Europa League and everything, is obviously a disappointment for them. But there it is. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised he popped back up in a year and said he was back. But um, yeah, for now he is retired. I won't go through the entire list of the next page because we've only got five minutes left. So I'll just hit a few of them, get get quick answers from you. Um, Manuel Akanji. No, not anymore. Too many injuries and not seen the most consistent performances from him. But then he has been in the Dortmund defence, so you can't really expect consistency. No, that's a very good point, especially next to Matt Summers. Uh Renato Sanchez. Well, I probably still would, I'm afraid, but I expect he'll go this summer, to be honest, anyway. It does look like he might end up at, at uh, Paris Saint-Germain this summer. Uh, Stefan de Vries. No, not anymore. Again, one I definitely would have and was at the top of my list at one point, but no, not now. Hossim Awar. Huh. His stock has what? fallen quite <laughs> drastically. Yeah, off a cliff. Um, there was a, at one point he looked like he was basically Zidane reincarnated and now, oof, I don't know. Again, I think we probably have to just let him play out this season, see if he can recapture anything <laughs> at all. And uh, take it from there. Right now, obviously not. Yeah, same. Very, very talented, but it's just a shame the way it's gone. Um, Victor Shankoff is an interesting one. I'd take him on a Bosman to be a backup right winger. Or left winger. Right winger. Right winger. Left footed right winger. Um, I think he is probably the same as a few of them that I've said, to be honest. like uh, I would take him on a free, but I probably wouldn't pay money for him. And again, it would be dependent on the, the way that we're playing. If we play the 4-3-3 now, yeah. If we play a much deeper that side midfielder, like the Soler role, definitely not. Yeah, no, I wouldn't take him in that type of role. But in the 4-3-3, I would. Um, let's see. Uh, Tilo Can I Carrere. give you a couple I would? Oh, yeah, go on. Um, Daichi Kamada. 
Yes, I do like I love Kamada. I love Kamada. I think he's such a good player. Um, probably would be like that more attack minded number eight. He plays as a 10 for them, basically, but I would definitely take him. Yeah, he's done a bit of false nine play in his time as well. I'd yeah. take Daichi. Super intelligent. There's a, a bit of Bobby about him. Um, very, very hard worker. Yeah, I, I would take Daichi, uh, Daichi Kamada. No problem at all. If Costas departs, I'd take Raf Guerrero on a free. Yeah, I like Guerrero. Super, super adventurous going forward. Great delivery. Creative. Not the best defender in the world, but he at least tries hard, which, you know, if you're not going to be good at something, at least give your best. And he does give his best. So <laughs> he's, he's pretty aggressive. Yeah. Yeah. He, he does. It, he enjoys getting up close to a, to a right winger. Yeah. And the alternative to him, if, if it's not him, is Alejandro Grimaldo, who is finally out of contract and assuming he doesn't sign another long-term contract, might finally leave Portugal. He's the one I would take. Because he's... He's probably a couple of... Is he, what is he, 26? Yeah, 26. 26. He's a couple of years younger than Guerrero. Now, Guerrero at least has a bit more physicality about him, but I do like um, I do like him. Here's one you mentioned a few weeks back uh, when we were talking about something else. Hugo Gillamon or Gillamon? Guillamon, yeah. Um, I, I do like Guillamon. I don't think he's, I think we, probably what I said before at the time, I don't think he's Liverpool level. Um, he's been used in midfield last season by Valencia, which I thought was a really interesting move considering I think he's a little bit lumbering and doesn't turn around too well. But actually he played that position really, really well. Uh, he was a centre-back when he was coming through as a kid. He got his, his chance as a centre-back when they had so many injuries and useless, incompetent idiots at centre-back. And he did really well there. He was, he was very big in the age, quite strong. He's an aggressive sort of player. He's a, a leader from very, very young in that team. Mm. And I do like him, but I probably don't think he's good enough on the ball for Liverpool. You got anyone else? Not really. There are a few players there that like we've we've spoken about in the past, like you know, Todd Cantwell. There was a point where maybe Liverpool would have gone for him. Uh, most of them barely Adama Traore. I think we've moved past all of them, to be perfectly honest. Even Marcus Turam, I don't think, had the best of seasons last year. No. All of them could obviously explode again this year. Um, but again, I think with most of them, you just have to wait and see what happens. Even our old mate, Adrian Rabio. Yeah, I mean, Rabio is one of the, the great wastes of talent. Um, it's just, it's a bit of a shame that uh, he's, well, he's a bit of a prick. And his mother's a complete pain in the arse. I don't think he'd pass the uh, the sniff test for Kloppel and such. I'm going to give you one more name. This would be a bit of a of a you know back, backing the talent. He hasn't necessarily always shown what he's capable of, but I do believe he's got the ability to play for a team like us. Alexis McAllister from Brighton. Oh, I quite like him. Um, I just wonder whether he looks a really nice player because he plays in a really nice team, if you know what I mean. You know, when they're, when they're on the ball, Brighton can look very yeah. nice to watch. Yeah, very attack-minded, very neat and tidy and everything, but not really aggressive enough and ultimately not quite good enough. I, I would really love to see him get a run against with a decent number nine ahead of him and see yeah. how that goes because that would tell you a lot more about where he is in terms of his creativity levels, his his consistency and if the number nine has obviously taken 
some attention away from defenders, then maybe he gets a little bit more space and freedom to wreak havoc as well. But when you are basically playing with a ghost or a shadow or a hope of somebody up front, it's very, very difficult for all the number 10s to do all the things. Well, that's the thing. Like Brighton are crying out for centre forward and McAllister, Mope, Trussard, all of those will be better or would be a lot better if they played with a number nine and yet they still haven't addressed it. One last name, Yusuf Makoko from Borussia Dortmund. He's 17, he'll turn 18. He's been hyped for quite a while. Would he be one that's worth going for in January? Um, maybe, but I'll be honest, although you see like little flashes of him sometimes, I've never really seen him put a whole run of minutes together very, very impressively. And I think that that is largely obviously to do with the fact that he's been playing senior football since he was 15. So it's really difficult for that kind of a young player to have a huge, huge impact consistently. Uh, might be worth keeping an eye on him this season, see how he does now. Obviously, Haaland's not there. There'll be a couple of changes in the attacking line with you know all youngsters basically there now. So mm. they're going to have to rotate and see which one of them can be consistent enough. Yeah, I mean, his first season when he was 15, 410 minutes in the league. And then last season that dropped um, to 207. So, you know, he did play less last season when I think there was hopes for him. We will leave it there. You've got to go to work. So thank you, Mr. Matchett. Have you got anything you want to plug before you run out the door? No, just would encourage everyone to take a look at some of the uh, Euro 2022 games if you get a chance, because there should be some very, very good players and teams on show. Yes, so follow Carl on Twitter at Carl Matchett. We just work in the independent. This is Anfield. Follow Guy at Guy Drinkle. I'm at EPL Index. See you next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this Anfield Index show. Please be sure to subscribe to our channel so future podcasts find their way to your device automatically. There's nothing quite like fan engagement, and we'd love to know what you think of anything discussed on this show. The best way to get in touch is over on our free Discord community, where both podcasters and listeners debate the hottest LFC topics 24-7. Sign up free now at anfieldindex.com forward slash discord. You won't regret it. You can also follow us on Twitter at Anfield Index and find us on Facebook by searching for Anfield Index. Oh, and before you go, we'd love it if you could leave us a five-star review on your favourite podcast app. It only takes a couple of seconds, and it means the world to the people who create these free shows. Sports Social Podcast Network.